Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to What a Load of Cobblers, Cobblers Catch-Up, a handy weekly summary of all the news from Sixfields. I'm Tom Reid, and this week I'm joined by Wallach regulars Brendan Walsh and James Averill. We've also got Northampton Town Supporters Trust Chair Andy Roberts back, fresh from the West Northampton Council meeting on the Sixfields redevelopment, plus special guest Alex Le Greval from successful Northampton Boxing Club Team Shoebox. Andy, I guess we'll give you the first word on the full council meeting this week of West Northampton Council on the Sixfields redevelopment. I found it quite... I'll be honest, a quite a difficult listen at the times, but then I listened to it back the next day and it was, I actually found it quite interesting. Um, the people that represented the club essentially spoke from their heart and the trust representatives spoke from their heart too. And I can see both sides of it if there are two sides. Um, Andy, were you sort of content that you got to put your side across at least? Yeah, I mean, we were we were keen, obviously, to, to represent the official trust position and a couple of other trust members um, alongside spoke personally um, around the around the subject. I think just taking stock of the meeting, you know, the club spoke and, and we spoke. But in truth, and I'm sure James will shed light on this, it seemed to me that the the questions that were raised and the tenor of the debate really were around issues that weren't necessarily of direct concern to, to us necessarily. It was more about councillors worried about the, the process of scrutiny, the process of timing, the, um, the process of best value for council taxpayers. Um, so it was an interesting exercise, but one in which the, the councillors were positioning themselves not necessarily around the interests that we were trying to put forward. Um, James, I don't know if you've got a view on that. Would you agree? I mean, with the, with these with these meetings, very often it's not until kind of halfway through, and particularly if you're an initiated to council meetings, that you realise that what you're talking about is could not actually technically be relevant to the decision that they're taking that night. And in in a nutshell, a, a lot of the issues, although very important, as as you've said, Andy not technically relevant to the decision they're making effectively all they were doing they were deciding to do was to note the report uh that's going before the cabinet on monday in reality it's the conservative cabinet that are going to actually be making the decision on this on monday that's actually the crunch meeting um in effect because they're the ones making the decision this was a chance for councillors basically to just give their views on it 
really. And if they felt that there was a consensus within the room to feed that view back to cabinet to help inform their decision, um, which judging by the end, really didn't sound like there was going to be anything that they fed back to cabinet in particular. They pretty much voted just to note the report. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm, it's just the machinations of, of council, which are perplexing to a lot of people. I wouldn't say just on a, on a governmental level, local government um, sort of level that the people speaking, I felt particularly felt and looked like me or sounded like the people, you know, maybe, maybe they shouldn't do, I guess, but uh, yeah, it just felt like that some of the comments were a little bit general and maybe not hugely informed about maybe to the level we've got which i guess is normal as well it was just just was just interesting to listen to um the sildara bid was quite an interesting topic really and it, uh, james did you listen to the meeting the whole way through uh i i did miss the first 10 minutes um but um uh, the but it, rest of it i did i did watch i watched yeah 95 percent of it yeah but it felt that there were a couple of comments that the sildara bid is this alternative bid for us less land you know more money um hadn't had enough time to be fully appraised properly and you know i don't know i'm I'm no expert on these things but i think that potentially might be something that might be a point of you know contention going forward james well my hunch based on covering these meetings before obviously the conservative cabinet very rarely uh, votes against the recommendation whether it's from the cabinet member or from uh, a council officer the recommendation on Monday is that they proceed with the CDNL, um, the sale to CDNL. So I'm pretty confident that that will go through. I think the Sildara thing will then come potentially into play where there are obviously a few councillors who did feel that perhaps there was a bit of a hasty decision in terms of not properly uh, considering the second Sildara uh, deal. That's obviously their personal opinion. The council officer kind of robustly defended that position. I suspect if um, they do go ahead, there there is the potential there for a councillor and any councillor can call in the decision of the cabinet. I suspect that that could well happen. They could call in that decision from the cabinet if they do vote it through on Monday, which I'm pretty sure they will, to then question whether they felt there was uh, enough time and sufficient scrutiny given to the updated Sildara bit. That's probably my hunch of where it's going to go. In reality, the call-in decision, if the council feel if the council feel that they've robustly done that, it's only really going to delay matters, is 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 probably where I'm I'm picturing this going. The thing with the East Stand though is that it has the potential to surprise you. Uh, <laughs> as we've uh, we've been finding out it's really funny actually i was at home the other the other week and found the original shirt that i wore for do you remember that march we did to the guild hall just yeah. before that scunthorpe game yeah. and i think the, the year on there was uh 2022 like we're, we're, we're going to be waiting for it we're going to be waiting for a decision until 2020 and then i'd written on it 2026 and think didn't actually realize at the time that it was <laughs> gonna be 2026 uh i was only doing it as a joke um here we are all these years later and that is if it goes through pretty much the deadline for when the stadium the stand would need to be built isn't it if it's if it's passed through it's a four-year 
claws, is yeah. it, Andy, to, to build the stand? I think it's if five. It goes through? Is it yeah. five? Sorry. It's so five, even longer then. <laughs> I'll have to update the shirt. Andy, wasn't there yeah. some mention also of a, a potential break clause? One of the councillors mentioned a, mentioned a potential break clause, which essentially, you know, if not, no deal was done by a specific date that the whole thing could be off. Obviously, no one wants that, but is that potential? Yeah, I believe so. Um, there's a, a break clause enforceable or optional, sorry, rather optional, I think, for the for the council to take in 2024 if they feel on, on a certain area of land that no, um, no effort or work has been put in to try and start either remediating, preparing or, or developing the land. Um, that's a bit of a, a sort of a sweeping statement there, but there's certainly a break clause in um, in the in the lease agreements on on part of that land. And I expect there's an argument. Well, you know, what's another two years when we've kicked this around for seven years already? Yeah, I don't think I don't think anyone wants you know no deal and it just the whole thing dissolving. And um, because I just think there'll be further issues down the line. I, um, I found um, Councillor Brown, I think he spoke at the end, I found his comments quite interesting because he spoke quite passionately, which is on one hand very good because you want people passionate about the town, but he, he made the comment, um, it's time that um, Northamptonshire had the same facilities and cultural offerings as some of our neighbours have. And uh, um, we don't have a major football stadium in this county. And it sort of gets to the crux of the issue for me is that the purported increase in capacities, 300 seats, I think that would be maximum. You know, there's some boxes, there's a car park. How is that going to create a major football stadium? It's, it's contradictory what he's supporting and what he's saying. Um, and that it's time that Northampton had the same facilities and culture offerings as some of our neighbours. So some of our neighbours are Peterborough, um, mm. Oxford, Luton, even Coventry are all um, proposing stadia of over 16,000. So is our 300 seats going to cut it? And that is the problem for me in the in the quiet moments when you think about this stand and, and, and this deal is that I think it's a weak stand and the deal we'll see if it's it's robust or not but uh, it, it does make me concerned without that athletics track land and that's what the hot potato is isn't it Andy now we, we can't deny it I've heard from fans that have probably died in the wall cobblers and, and, and probably supporters of, of, of Kevin Thomas and David Bauer, but even they're starting to say, hang on a second, do we really want to dispose of this half of the athletics track um, and not have it for, for club use, uh, club and community use, Andy? Well, as I've said before, I think, you know, that whole area of land behind the stand can be more imaginatively used and better used for the benefit of the, the football club. That's the trust's clear position. With the stand, it's a bit bit trickier, you know, because we are where we are with the structure there. I think, as we've talked about before, a lot of people would prefer in an ideal world for the whole thing to come down and to start again and build something really new and impressive and impactive. Um, but we're getting a stand with 300 extra seats. Um, I agree with you, Tom. I, I don't think that adds much value. And you could argue, well, if you're getting 300 extra seats, at a cost of what about three to five million, whatever figure you want to believe, they've got to be some of the most expensive seats in English football. Mm, yeah, yeah, it, it's a it's a difficult one, and like I said, I can see I can see the views of 
of, of various people on this. I, I can see that the fans that just want it done. I'm tired of it myself. And sometimes I look, I'm looking forward to a time when the football club is just about the football club and not about a land deal and not essentially, um, you know, yeah. have, having debts associated with land deals. It just seems like it's sort of uh, where don't know where one begins and one ends. And but I can also see, you know, even the Labour group are saying, talking about the athletics track and its significance and obviously the trust are, you know, believe in that, and I, I tend to believe that myself. So yeah, it's a, it's a difficult one. Um, but where where are you now on it? Are you tired of the whole thing, or are you still thinking we've come this far? We we should try and hold out for something that's going to try and round it off in a positive way. Uh, both the options you just said. <laughs> yeah, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm very tired of it, but uh, yeah, I'd like to see something um, with some forethought and some forward thinking. Um, you know, you look at. If you look in, in London at some of the grounds that have been replaced or rebuilt over the last couple of years, space is at such a premium. Um, and we've got such a natural kind of expansion ground there. Like it, it would just be a shame not to use it. But it, it, I don't know if, if, if that kind of shame will outweigh the, the let's just get this done feeling. Do you know what I mean? And to, to your point, like, um, you know, after all this time, 300 seats and um, the money that's being spent on it. By the time, if it is 2026, 2025, that we do finally see it finished, the plans that were put forward, that it won't be like a state of the art or, or modern stand by then, will it? They, they, they'll be 10 year old plans that have been finished. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I just think there's, there's so many more things which need to be refreshed about it. But then at the same time, I, there, there is a thing inside me that's like, I, again, like to your point, I'd love to just go back to watching football and not the the eyesore of a load of like metal girders and stuff. And yeah, I don't know. I, I it, it's for people who know a lot a lot more about this stuff than me to decide. But then at the same time, I feel like people like me are not being um, heard and thought of when we, you know, what we want on a Saturday. Uh, ultimately, um, yeah. it's a, it's a really strange one. Yeah, I think that's a good. I think that's a good point there, isn't it, Brendan? Because we often see, and especially on social media, after the meeting, I was looking on the hotel end and on Twitter, and it was it was getting quite vicious. And you just think it's okay to like have a different point of view on this thing. It mm. it really is. It, it 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 is such a complex uh thing as well. It's impossible, I would think, to find two people that probably ha- agree on every single facet of of, mm. of all the complexities. <clears throat> Um, and yeah, it, it is a shame that it, it's it's getting a little bit, um, a little bit, you know, vicious at, at times. I think it's all it's all right, like you like you said last week, Tom. I think it's important to have grown up discussions about these things, but remember that it is that it is okay to to hold a different point of view to someone. Yeah, exactly. And I saw a comment on Twitter. I can't remember who it was, but I think it's an important point. And I I, <coughs> I like to think that I stand up for fans, you know rights when I can and the, the ordinary fan and with this development I, I don't particularly think it's going to benefit the everyday fan you know with, without casting expressions on Brendan he is a, a good you know everyday fan he comes he's he's not massively political he's very positive he, he supports the club where he can you know he's you know pretty cosmopolitan lives in London you know sees a little bit down there and fans like Brendan I feel that executive boxes aren't really going to benefit him too much. And um, the 300 seats, 
are they going to be in the main the main stand or are they going to be counted in the uh, in the executive boxes a car park brendan i don't don't yeah. know if you're hanging out in car parks brendan but i don't think <laughs> you are. Uh, I've, I've heard you do but I won't talk about it um <laughs> so car parks and so it, the everyday fan isn't really going to benefit too much now obviously i've been pushing and a few others have been pushing for safe standing for a long time and if safe standing managed to be included in this deal it would just make the whole thing a little bit more palatable for the everyday fan and just a few more brendan a few more things that are gonna yeah really improve that match day offer for just to do the everyday punter yeah i think like that's a really good point like uh i'd like to think i'm an everyday fan because that's that's what i want to approach that's kind of why i support northampton and it's where i'm from and and for me living in london and the job i have i love being able to come back home to Northampton on a Saturday and watch football in its rawest form. You know, none of this kind of £12 for a beer and a burger at, at Emirates. And, you know, I, I like that. But I want to see from the club that there is forward thinking for um, fans and, and and ideas that if we, I don't know, if we ever did progress on the pitch that we can scale up or that, you know, we're, we're speaking to, we've been speaking about all the boxing efforts in, in the county at the moment, like, I'd love to there to be facilities or things that can be used and switched around um, yeah. a blank canvas, basically something that benefits not just the everyday fan, but the people that aren't even fans of Northampton, the people yeah. that the local community that the I don't know. I just want it to be the, the they keep using the term ACV the the or whatever it is the community asset. Like yeah. what what is the whole town what are people whether you're a football fan or not a football fan whether you support arsenal or northampton whether you've got money or not money to your point what are boxes and and car parks going to do for them um is is getting the ground finished and and that i i don't know what the owners views are once they've got the ground finished and then them moving on and selling the club or something is that in the long-term interest of the club is that how we go let's just get it done so that we can then you know move on as a club and, and focus on something else i i don't know and i get like my what i said at the beginning like it feels like that it needs to the decision needs to be made by people that know what they're doing but they're also not consulting the people that it um affects because i don't know what the right answer is but i also don't think that anything i, I would uh, put forward is is being taken into account mm. yeah i was disappointed with the approach to the new hotel end in particular you know essentially it's just a an added tier to the north stand a, a, you know a fan zone and a, you know a music area it's not it's not creating new Wembley it's not creating you know a new world cup venue it's quite a small yeah. scale project and I just I just hoped that the club would run with it a bit more some great partners that have got brilliant um project management experience in huge stadium and all stuff and it just the fact that that's stalled it's just sort of like there are people trying to um to help the, the football club and to try and you know engage new supporters a younger support base and and just yeah just trying to build on that huge potential that we all know we have and it just feels like just concentrating on this east end is not going to do that for me but um yeah uh, that's probably enough on, on that matter um, um andy just just to, to wrap up on that there's a um a sort of decision being made on 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 monday isn't there that's right yes and james what will that likely look like not the exact, so, not the exact like the, the what's going to happen but what how it sort of works 
So it's it's the meeting of the cabinet. Um, you, you'll have to forgive me because the, the, the council has changed since I was reporting on it. It's now a unitary authority where they've merged. So I don't know how many people are in the cabinet now, but effectively they will. It will be the it's the executive kind of of, of the Conservative Party, basically, who will be making the decision on whether to follow the recommended advice, which is to sell the land to CDNL. So that's what's happening. Uh, on Monday, and there's only going to be—I wouldn't imagine there's more than 15 people in in, in the cabinet. It's probably less. Um, and like I said, in my experience of covering uh, these meetings, it was very rare for something to reach that stage and for them to then go against the advice. Yep. So, um, like I say, I'm, I'm reasonably confident that in the decision that they will take. The question then comes as to whether a, a councillor feels that they want to call that decision in, which is basically to say, we don't think you guys have, have given enough attention to this particular issue or that particular issue. Like I say, I suspect having watched the meeting on Monday, they would probably choose to go down the route if someone was going to call it in of saying, we need to consider the Sildara offer uh, in more detail and we perhaps didn't have enough time to do it. So that's how I envisage it will go. But like I say, you never quite know. Um, a week is a long time in both politics and football. <laughs> so it, it could be the end. It could be the end of the beginning. It could be the beginning of the end or something in between, knowing how. <laughs> it, it, in a nutshell, this this is still going to take a long time. You know, uh, it, there's no point sugarcoating it because after this, you've got all the legal wranglings, I would imagine, in terms of uh, with, with it. You then got the planning process which is not going to be quick either. Um, so uh, it's, yeah, we'll see. It could be, it could be the beginning of the end or the end of the beginning, <laughs> uh, but there's still a there's still a long way to go, put it that way. Yeah. I remember the, the Cardoza deal, which in some ways was a little bit more straightforward, but went on for years and years and years. So we'll see where it goes. Right then let's bring Alex Legerval from Team Shoebox in to talk to us. Uh, Northampton boxing gym doing great things in the town. Um, it's great to have you on, Alex. Thanks I'm going to much. talk a bit about potential um, community uses and a boxing football link up for the East End land. But um, first, can you tell us a bit more about Team Shoebox and some of the successful fighters you handle? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yes, yeah, Team Shoebox, we uh, we set the gym up uh, really with the intention of, of putting Northampton on the map for uh, both amateur and professional boxing. Uh, so we've been we've been in the town now for about um, two, just over two years. Um, but, you know, the, the head coach, James Conway, um, his son, obviously, Kieran Conway, is pretty well known in the town. He'll probably talk about later. But, uh, yeah, James has been coaching. He was a coach at uh, Kings Heath Boxing Club for a number of years before. Um, you know, he's just the, uh, he's been been involved in the sport for years and years and really, really successful. Um, wanted to move move into setting up his own gym largely to you know move into the the, the professional side of the sport but um as we've as things have evolved we wanted to get involved in the amateur side of things as well um my day job is for, for i work for the national governing body england boxing um so it's a no-brainer to you know affiliate with england boxing and bring through uh you know the the next crop of of young amateurs that are going to turn into the town's next crop of of professional fighters so uh that's kind of where we're at at the moment and as, as i mentioned you know we've got kieran conway who signed with uh matram uh, Eddie Hearn and um, we've got Ethan James who's signed with Frank Warren on, and uh, boxed on BT Sport so um, yeah and a lot of other, other guys coming through so yeah it's, it's going well but we've got big plans for the future and uh, that's you know while we're here I guess to talk about some some of the plans. Yeah and I, I think you're probably ahead of schedule with some of the success you've had and a lot of the 
PR and stuff and just the attention and just the positivity around it. It's absolutely brilliant. And I just think it's just a huge credit to the, the town before we start. Um, now for a little bit of context for the, the listeners. Um, I've been speaking with Alex on and off for a while. I'm a big fan, obviously, of what's been achieved, uh, Team Shoebox and the community power of boxing. In general, um, Team Shoebox has supported the new Hotel M project that obviously I've been involved in, in terms of uh, being you know, good for the football club and the town's boxing scene. Talked a little bit about a, a space for some um, you know, weigh-ins and public weigh-ins with that. But um, obviously, recently, there's been a bit of a hot potato with the athletics track at Sixfields and what will happen to it, um, not least at the council meeting this week where both the trust and various politicians, including the Labour group, spout out the significance of the athletics track ACV land at Sixfields. I wrote an article where I, you know, I put down a case for the importance of the athletics track for community and club benefit. Uh, I think it's really important not just to criticise you know, the, the football club um, plans, but to also come up with ideas on how to make things better. So I propose that the council, trust and football club and um, Team Shoebox consider sort of just getting together and considering some sort of dual use for the land, be it uh, training facilities, event space or both. You know, the, the possibilities are endless when you, you link two clubs together. That could galvanise the land deal and provide real benefits for both clubs and the people of the town. Now, imagine if you could go and watch a cobbler's game followed by a Team Shoebox boxing event in the evening either in any you know indoor venue or even on the pitch or whatever but that just sounds as a punter pretty good to me um alex in our conversations it, it seems like it's something you're at least keen to explore yes absolutely so um i mean it, i think it's a great idea anything that's going to put our town truly on the map we're fully behind it you know at the moment we've got um i mean at the moment we've got um you know we've got over 250 members at the club uh, and our current facility we're, we're we're just absolutely bursting at the seams so we have a waiting list in place you know we're we're struggling to cater for the numbers and the the amount of people that are, that are interested in boxing and obviously the, there's so many benefits of the sport it's, yeah yeah it's great the pros are doing fantastic and you know they're, they're doing amazing things for the town but really it's the you know, fundamentally it's the we've got our young amateurs we've got the kids uh, the kids classes we've done work um with what well, we're doing, working on a project at the moment with the hope center looking at boxing for the homeless uh we did some yeah. projects um in the a few you know some school holidays where we've um we've involved kids on free school meals or eligible free school meals uh, all this kind of stuff a lot of work in schools um you know boxing transforms lives and and 40 of the nationally when you look at the statistics 40 percent of uh, boxing clubs are situated in the top 20 percent of the most deprived areas and it's yeah. no different in northampton if you if you look where the gyms are situated they're in the the, the, the tougher states you know it's, it's it attracts kids from from uh, underprivileged backgrounds and and what the sport can do in transforming people and changing them and, and really improving their lives that's what we want to do and that's what this sort of facility would would enable us to achieve um but we need you know we need somewhere bigger um and if we could do something in partnership with the football club amazing um and you know by speaking to yourselves and and uh, getting you guys on board with our vision and what we want to do um even if we can't do something at the football club which we'd love to do um but you know the more people that know about what we're doing um the better so yeah i i'd agree with that and i was quite interested in you talking about a a center of excellence for boxing in northampton and i just see if you if you if you if you link up the football club and the boxing club and there's a, often a lot of crossover between the supporters and the you know enthusiasts the, the boxers themselves you know athletes between those two sports if you can link up those two can you imagine the power of that and 
you know, imagine what Fortress Sixfields would be if, you know, it had that boxing link up and, you know, after a game you could go and, you know, go and watch a boxing game. It's just, I just think it's, I just think it's just something that's worth worth a discussion, isn't it? Especially with this, um, what's going on at the moment with the council and people are talking about the land and try and and, and then people are saying there's no real use for it. Well, we're saying, well, actually, there might there be. Is. There absolutely is. And, you know, at the moment, I've, I've just done this week, I've, uh, as we've been talking about things, I've, I've thought, well, you know, the best way to put any plans forward, this sort of goes back to what I do with work. But if you're doing a funding application for a club, which is what I do a lot of uh, with clubs all over the country, the first thing you have to do is evidence the need. So we've been trying to evidence the need, you know, by doing a few polls, doing some surveys um, and getting getting more people aware of what we're trying to do. And that's exactly what we're doing tonight as well. So we can evidence a need within the community, which I firmly believe there is. Um, yeah. you know that's the, that's the first that's the first step um and like you say if we could bring the football club and boxing football and boxing are like inextricably linked as well as sports yeah. you know um you just look at i mean ethan i've just been interrupted by ethan by the way he was he was knocking on my window and trying to film me so uh that's why i got a bit distracted <laughs> <laughs> that's that's typical ethan james but um yeah he, uh, he um he um it, like he walks the, you know he walks to the ring he wears cobbler's colors and we, last fight we had cobbler's, cobbler's uh, you know loads of cobbler's fans there um you know we, we really try and support the club and 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 a lot of the fans come to the, to watch you know every time our amateurs are at boxing that shows this they're, they're all shouting shoe army and all this kind of stuff and we've got i mean in, even in our gym we've got loads of graffiti up on the walls which is you know uh, big city lights don't bother me northampton town we're proud to be it's the, it's the same yeah. thing we've, we've got the same yeah. vision um so that's what we're looking to do and I, you're absolutely right we're, we're fully behind it and the, the club you know, I've rightly talked about their poll about fans really wanting to see the East Stand finished. And I, I, I don't really find anyone that's arguing about the East Stand being finished. But you put a little poll out about um, who, who'd love to see Team Shoebox link up with NTFC Trust and NTFC to build Northampton's first ever boxing of excellence. 83.6% uh, of the respondents came back with, yes, we're with you. And of course, that's not a you know, huge mandate for anything, but it suggests that there is a bit of interest in the idea. Definitely. And um, let's bring... Andy in here now. Uh, Andy sat nice and quietly. Uh, <laughs> um, Andy, you know, it, it seems that the club owners have offered the freehold of half of the athletics track, you know, if the deal goes through, which obviously has limited use just being half the athletics track. Surely there's some wriggle room to include the whole of the athletics track to give this whole saga a positive end, help both the club and team shoebox and also benefit the wider community as the trust is keen on, Andy? Well, that's entirely our position, Tom. Yes, the, the club have said half the old athletics track land will be retained for some car parking and a fan zone, you know, behind the East Stand. But obviously we're pressing for the whole of that original footprint, which is an area of a, maybe around four acres or just under, um, obviously double what the club are proposing because that in itself brings much more scope in terms of what you can usefully and imaginatively put on that that land. Um, we just don't feel as a supporters trust that having um, possibly a, an industrial warehouse or or something similar, say a goal kick away from the back of the East Stand is necessarily the best use of land, which was always designed to um, benefit the local community and, and the football club. So that's our position. And it's really refreshing to to hear from from Alex and 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 the passion and the plans behind boxing and and I agree completely. Football and boxing is a is a very good good link up for me. 
um, along with a number of other potential projects, that that would be a very good fit on that land. Yeah, it just it just seems that that there might be a need, as as Alex said, that there's there's benefits of linking the two the two clubs up together, not least on a community level, on a youth development level, on a financial level. If you can put shows on, which you know, you know, double the size of your your match day, and you know, essentially give people of the town a, a great time to go and see both sports essentially. So it just feels like, you know, there, there, there might be some wiggle room, there might not, but it just feels like, especially with what the Labour group have been saying about they're looking for certain protections on the athletics track, the whole of the athletics track, that it just seems at the right time to talk about it. Um, Andy, would you be open to sitting down with Alex and the football club to discuss, you know, the potential and the, and the, and the council? Yeah, certainly. Um, as I say, I'm not sure um, whether Alex is aware, but obviously one thing we're looking to bring forward as part of a, a constructive proposal beyond this this deal is for a, um, an infrastructure foundation to, for all partners and all interested parties to sit down together, have a look at the land that might be available and just explore how that could be financed, how that could be enabled to put something imaginative on that land, something that brings benefit to the football club, but also to the local community and, and, and binds Northampton's um, sporting offer together. That would be a brilliant fit. We're more than happy to sit down with anyone in future to discuss that. It's just we hope the other parties would be willing. Alex, I take it you'd be, you'd be up for it? 100%, absolutely. I think it's fantastic to be able to have these conversations and thank you for enabling them. I mean, it's, um, as I say, we're passionate about boxing and what it does for you know kids and people of all ages and abilities and, and everything. It's, it, boxing's a real leveller. Um, you know, it does amazing things for, for, for all sorts of people. And some of the plans we'd have, you, you mentioned about community um, initiatives and that kind of stuff. You know, again, going back to my, my, my job, what, you know, I support a lot of amazing clubs all over the country. And there's, there's clubs that offer, you know, alternative education provision, uh, you know, DJ workshops. There, there's, 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 uh, there's all sorts of different things. There's, there's clubs that have physiotherapists that rent the facilities. They host, you know, cookery classes, all this kind of stuff. That's exactly the kind of thing we'd be looking to do. Like people think of boxing and they, and they you know, the, the sort of traditional sense of boxing is, oh, you know, it's just two people get in a ring and have a fight. That's far from it. You know, coming into a boxing gym, you don't have to do that for a start. Um, you know, there's so many different ways that boxing can be packaged and, and uh, you know, enable people to participate. But yeah. actually what boxing clubs do can, is so much further than that. Um, you know, there's so many other ways that people could get, could get involved in a boxing club that wouldn't even involve boxing. Um, and that's exactly what we'd be looking to do, bringing other partners from across the, the, the community, other businesses, um, you know, just that whole support local kind of um, kind of philosophy. That's what we want to do. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Love to meet up. I think I think potentially it can um, supercharge the, the sponsorship elements of, of, of both clubs, essentially. You know, two clubs are stronger than one and maybe... Uh, the cobblers have struggled a little bit to get some of the the town's major uh, sponsors on board, major employers and stuff. A lot of smaller uh, smaller sponsors at cobblers. But if if you, you know you had that link up and that real community remit with the boxing club, you know you could you could hook some of the bigger sponsors. I just think that you know there's a potential there to to supercharge everything. And uh, yeah, hopefully um, 
I'll, I'll put it to the football club and you know see if they're willing to to talk about it but um Alex thanks for taking the time to come and talk to us so we won't um go on about it for too long I know you've got to shoot off now tell us what you're doing after you're doing the bag against uh you know a lot of you, the, the yeah, big so, guns tonight Anya yeah yeah so we've got the we've got the pros in tonight it's the pros their hard session on a Wednesday so uh and it's also my hard session because I do the body bag with them so uh I'm about to go in and, and uh basically pray for my ribs because uh they're going to be punching me pretty hard for uh <laughs> this next sort of half hour or so so uh yeah no good but it's, just before I go, you mentioned sponsorship. We're doing a big drive on sponsorship at the moment, and um, we've got details which are you know, readily available through social media on, the, on our web pages and stuff. We're, do, we're doing a big sponsorship and fundraising drive um, through. We've got a, a profile on a, on a website called Snap Sponsorship, which is a new kind of method that, of, of attracting sponsors, and um, might be something that you guys want to look into. But um, yeah, you know, if there are any any local firms that want to sort of get behind us and support these kind of this, the vision we've got, then um, feel free to check out the, the information there and yeah, contact me directly, and I'm more than happy to. To, to help but uh yeah no it's been great thanks very much for inviting me on yeah no worries and we'll have you on a bit longer next time it's a bit Absolutely. of a, a quick one you, you know you, someone's got to have the bag haven't they so you know what i mean you better let you don't drop it because if you drop it you're going to take one in the, oh, then in i'm the, done the then the I'm done. i'll tell you what though for ethan uh for ethan interrupting me i might have to dish it out a bit myself tonight so we'll see <laughs> good, man, good man but yeah it's great to talk to you and um you know we'll, we'll see we'll see how it goes but um yeah it's important the main thing is to important to talk about this stuff because uh, some ideas are, you know, considered a bit sort of audacious. Or, but, but this is where these things start and these these conversations. So thanks for having it. Cheers. Absolutely. Thank you very much, guys. Cheers, mate. Yeah, let's move on from that now. Let's move on to an absolute glamour tie that the uh, <laughs> people of Rio de Janeiro are talking about as we speak. Northampton, Neil, Scunthorpe, Neil. <laughs> so, Brendan, what did you make of it? There's often a... Well, especially with Cobblers fans, we're up and down like anything, aren't we? Sometimes yeah. when you think a, a game is there for the taking, it can leave you a little bit deflated. But you know, the league position and the um, yeah, just speaks for itself, I guess. Yeah, I think with um, with the the injuries at the moment, and um, yeah, I had an awful feeling going into it yesterday with everything like looking like it was going to be a really tricky fixture. So I think nil nil. Uh, watching it back, we, we definitely had chances. We hit the crossbar. You know, I think we were unlucky not to score. Um, I'm definitely like glass half full about all of it. You know, we've we've still got a game in hand on. Um, I think it's Exeter. Is it Exeter? Yeah, it's Exeter. And um, yeah, like it's it's just one of those. Like I think we just take the point, move on, try and get a bit fitter for for Saturday. Um, we've got a lot of tough away games coming up, and and if you can draw most of those and try and uh, you know not lose too many of your away fixtures and then go back to to turning six fields into a bit of a three-sided fortress then um then we should be there or thereabouts by the end of the season james it's an old adage isn't it you win your homes draw your ways and you'll be there or thereabouts um did you sense a little bit of discontent about the performance maybe james uh, well, yeah, if you're judging on social media, yeah, but then again, that's never a good gauge, really. I think I think most most people would appreciate we had a few injuries, so we, I think the loss of a Piero in particular is a big blow. I think he has massively improved us since he came in. Um, I think a few, and, and I would agree with him here, I was a little bit um, surprised by the starting lineup, I have to say. Um, I'm God bless Danny Rose, you know, he tries he tries so hard but he's clearly in, either incredibly low on confidence or 
something's not quite right there because he is just offering so little golf for it. And I was surprised we went with him, actually, uh, to be honest. Um, and from all accounts, like I say, I didn't watch it, so this this could be wrong. But from all accounts, it sounded like, sounded like uh, a pyre and Ashley Seal when they came on. We played a lot better with them. So it would be interesting to see if Apire is still out. Um what John Brady goes with on 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 Saturday as well, and it doesn't sound like moving Mitch Pinnock into centre midfield um, worked too well um, either. But like I say, I didn't watch. I'm only going on what people have said on on social media. Um, they could have been watching a very different game to the one that actually happened. <laughs> I think that Epia, I, I I liked him the first game I saw him, and I, I do feel with a run in the side, he's going to perform. It's just maybe if he's better in a two up front, um, and which we don't tend to play that often. Um, but he just seems like a bright spark. And I think Danny Rose is, you're right about Danny Rose. Something isn't clicking there. When we first signed him, I just thought he was a really good sign-in, good age, you know, good profile, everything like that that we look for. But it just feels like that yard of pace isn't there. I don't know if he's lost a bit of confidence because strikers often need, or always need goals, need a couple of goals to get them going. It just feels like, yeah, something isn't working there. And obviously that thing hanging over us a little bit of those goals from open play, which is still... a even though we scored, was it yeah, a couple the other other day? It just it's always until we put a run of games together where we score two or three, it's going to be a bit of a sort of monkey on our back and stuff. But yeah, yeah the the nil nil result is uh you know you're not you're not going to turn your nose up at it, especially when we're second in the division, which is just fantastic from John Brady. Let's move on to Scott Pollock because that's quite an interesting topic at the moment. Um, a lot of Fans, I don't think they're clamouring for him to play, but I just think they're questioning why Scott Pollock is not appearing. He's, you know, he's been on the bench, he's on the bench on Tuesday, um, and just not really getting it into the team. And after the um, the game, um, John Brady made a couple of comments. I think it was to um, Jake Sharp on the radio. I'll just bring them up, um, where he said. The, uh, Scott Pollock not quick enough and not physical enough. Now he did finesse it with a longer explanation where he said, you know, he looks out for Scott and they've obviously had quite a long history together with sort of youth stuff. Um, I just think that was a little bit of um, a careless comment from John for a, a manager that's that's coach youth players. Um, it, it, when you say something like that about a player, when and then you have to face them up, you know, it's going to be a probably a difficult thing, I would say. Um, Brendan, do you sort of forgive John Brady for that that comment, and do you see where he's coming from, or do you think that it was a sort of careless, I guess? No, I mean uh, I saw someone sum it up really well on on Twitter, and they were like, I, I've not guided an injury ravaged squad to second in in League Two, so what do I know? And it, that's that's kind of it. Do you know what I mean? No one's better positioned to have a comment on Scott Pollock. I would, I would argue in all of football, no one's better positioned to argue on Scott Pollock right now than John Brady, because like you said, he was the one that that developed him through the academy and put him there. I think when Brady came in, a lot of us all thought, great, he's going to polish up Scott Pollock. He knows how to, to get the best from him. I, it gets forgotten how long he's been out injured. And I think we we all knew the injury he had last season, but he, he suffered again this year. So we've yeah. we've really been trying to build his fitness back, for, also I hear, in behind closed doors games and everything. And he also said in that same interview that they tried to get him um, alone out to a conference team. And he, some managers even came to see him um, in, and some scouts and stuff in the, the training games they set up. 
to try and get him some match fitness. So, look, we, if if we were if we were outside the playoffs and and one of those teams in like thirteenth, fourteenth, where you're not going to go down and you're not really going to make a playoff charge, I'd be really berating Brady and saying to get him on the pitch. Um, but you know, we're going for hopefully an automatic promotion. We don't have the uh, the time or the space to just put, throw someone in because the fans want want to see a local lad do well. We've we've got to, yeah. If he's not match fit and he's not, you know, putting one hundred and ten percent in in training, it, the games are are coming too thick and fast and too important to just you know chuck him in there and, and hope he does well. And and if Brady doesn't think he's up to it, then I'm kind of you know, like I said, there's no one better position to know what he'll get out of him. So. Um, it's one of those. Like, it, it, I don't think that was our issue last night at all. I, I, from what I've seen and read, it, it looked like we were desperately unlucky. And on another day, some of the, you know, we hit the crossbar late on, and if we had one cleared off the line, like on another day, they 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 go in. It wasn't like a nil-nil where we've been holding on and battling against the cosh. You know, it's one of those where, if anything, we've been sat on them late in the game, pushing for for an equal uh, for a winner, and it's just not come. So. Mm. Yeah, there's going to be more said about Pollock just because um, the injuries in midfield. But it, it, I think Brady, I, I like quite like that he's come out and just said it because uh, we the the name Joey Isafano, Joey Isafano, however you spell it, it always gets brought up. But no one ever knew why he wasn't getting paid, and I would have loved people to say it's because he's you know all, all the managers that had a look at him and didn't play him just say like it's because he's not quick enough or because his first touch isn't good. It's just you know I think fans appreciate the honesty. So. If, if Pollock's not um, physical enough for where we're at in League Two at the moment, then that makes sense. And, and I'm happy to take Brady's uh, opinion on it. Mm. It goes back to... I'll, I'll bring you in a second, James. Sorry. Um, it goes back to me, f- to this, the chicken and the egg thing. Um, and we talked about the, the club being a yo-yo club. And we're trying to look at ways of stopping that. It seems we've fallen back into the old trap of we want... We want promotion. You know, we're a promotion side. I don't personally think we are <clears throat> a promotion side, but you know, the league team will suggest otherwise. We'll see what happens at the, the season. But um, <clears throat> that when you are going for pretty much every other season, relegation, promotion, you don't stop to say, hang on a second, are we bringing through the youth players that will be able to sustain us in, in, in League One in the way that, that crew do and other clubs do? And that um, you need to give these guys chance to provide a development for them. They're not going to be automatically good enough to get into the side physically, you know, technically even in terms of pace. These, it's when you do not play, you don't play them, you deny them the opportunity to progress in a first team environment. If we're only going to say only players that are physically precocious, technically able and, and quick enough are going to make that jump. I think personally, you may as well scrap the youth system because there's so few players that are that level of ready that they need that bedding in in the first team, which I don't think we do well. And if we are going to say that, you know, should we be going for a B team like a lot of clubs are doing? They're not really don't have a youth team. They just bring in, you know, 22 year olds that are, you know, a bit further along that are going to, you know, bring players into the team. And I, I think that's something to think about. Um, James, what do you think? Well. So firstly, it's very difficult to disagree with what Brendan says in terms of there is no one better placed than John Brady to comment on Scott Pollock. Mm. I've got no problem with him not thinking that he is um, physical, uh, not physical enough or not quick enough. I would question 
is the league any more physical than when Scott was playing in it before? Um, maybe it is. I don't know. Uh, these are the things that kind of someone who is a football manager will, will notice and, 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 you know, someone watching from the stands. Right. I think it's been a little, but I think John didn't help himself. And normally he is absolutely bang on with the media comments. And, and it's been a little while since I think we've had someone who's handled the media as, as well as he has. And, you know, obviously having yeah. been in that, world myself I can appreciate and notice when someone's doing it really well I don't think he helped himself when a few weeks back when the question was asked when we had both Salvi and McWilliams out potentially he said oh I'd be happy to play either uh, Scott or Peter Abimbola I'd rather put round pegs in round holes that then doesn't really stack up with what he did in terms of the team selection last night because he moved yeah. Mitch Pinnock there from all yeah. accounts so I think that's where you think so why did you say that if you weren't going to do that? I think that's what a yeah. few fans were probably thinking last night. They probably had it in their head, right, oh, OK, well, he's previously said that. The natural thing now is to see the Rabin Bowler or Pollock in those positions. And we didn't. We moved our most creative player from his best position and plugged a gap. And mm-hmm. so I think that's where it was probably not handled as, as well as John normally handles things in the media. He's only human, you know, I think, you know, if that's the uh, if that's the boo boo he makes this year, then he's done pretty well. But I think you know it, it would be nicer to see um, younger players come through. And it is interesting that the only one we've really seen come through is Sean McWilliams, and he has always had that physical aspect to his game, yeah. even from when he when he was a kid. So I think there's definitely a discussion to be had about okay, so how do we perhaps integrate? some of the more technical players and in, in, into the team. Uh, I think there's definitely a discussion to be had around there. But like you say, at the moment, you can't really argue um, with the decisions that John Brady's making. The lead table does not lie. Yeah. And that's, that's very well said. I haven't got a huge amount to add to it. I just think that these players are knocking on the door. And it's not just, you know, Pollock. Abin Bola would definitely be very good talent. Max Deich will be, um, you know, we've got myriad of youth teams that are pumping these players through for I would say scant chances and that's yeah, that pretty pretty much is, is borne out so this this thing isn't going to go away and I remember a couple of years ago I think they actually employed someone to coach the the interim or the uh, the transition between the first team and the, and the youth setup and I'm not I'm pretty sure he's not there now but it shows that they did sort of realize there was an issue there and um yeah it was just it's just going to be bit of a topic going forward but we're second world war three is about to kick off let's not take it that seriously um <laughs> russia's will drop a nuclear bomb on six fields and uh, the east end will still survive um let's let's uh, let's wrap up with a bit more of an upbeat thing um sammy hoskins super sam has been given two and a half year deal um, we've seen a couple of people not not massively happy with it or a little bit sort of i guess yeah just questioning it a bit um He's just a good servant to the club, and it's um, Brendan. It just seems a bit churlish not to be happy about him staying. Yeah, I I saw one disgruntled Cobbers fan that said rewarding me- uh, mediocrity as usual, and I was kind of like, I, I don't really know what more you can ask for, um, really, in a player than than Sammy. He's 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 really he's committed to the club. Uh, we we've seen two relegations, two promotions. I'm sure he would have had offers to go elsewhere, reignite his career, um, 
refresh things and and he's not taken it he's he's been a fantastic servant like I, th I think there's been times where we've argued maybe we can do better in in, in terms of bringing a player better than Sammy but then every manager we've had since he's been there has started him you know he he he's done everything that's asked of him and and he has bad games and he has very good games I just think I, I really like in, in modern day football the fact that someone wants to stay in Northampton for nine years when they're not from here. That, that's just something to, to credit. If, you, if you're, you're making comments about rewarding mediocrity, like we're in League Two, we've been in League One a couple of times. In terms of professional football players, these are mediocre ones. Do you know what I mean? Like if we found a brilliant level player for, for, for this level. Do you know what I mean? Like why, yeah. why wouldn't we keep him around? This is this is what this is his bread and butter this is what he does do you know what i mean and uh, the other thing i've said all the time on this podcast when i hate when people say we just need to sign a 20 goal a season striker if there was a shopping list of 20 goal a season strikers i'm sure we would just go out and pick one up but the, the chances of a 20 goal a season striker just sitting around in league two and not fa and fancying coming down to northampton for a couple of years it doesn't happen that's not it's not fee for career mode that's not how it works <laughs> He's called um he's called Joe Achofano, he plays for Oxford City, I think, uh, Brendan. Yeah, so bang, banging him in, he's, he's lethal. You know, Sam's problem is one cobbler's like a whipping boy. Cobblers fans always have a whipping boy, just always. Doesn't matter what season it is, there will be a whipping boy. It's just sort of him sometimes. He's a jack of all trades, really. So he, he's sort of like you will miss him in a, in certain games because he just does sort of generally good job. That's the main thing. Um, the me mediocrity comment, I know who that was, and um, I, I can understand sort of where he's coming from with that in terms of it's, you know, he's a safe League Two player. He's always going to put in seven out of ten. Doesn't score, you know, many. But if he scores that goal that he scored the other day where he, you know, the, the great sort of, he leans back, curls it in, he, he wouldn't be in League Two, you know, probably League One even with, with some of his attributes. So it's sort of like you just have to take the rough with the smooth with, with Sam Hoskins. Um, I... I quite sort of admire how sort of he just seems to be so chilled all the time. He don't seem to get like annoyed ever. He's he's, he's a great professional though. Yeah. That's that's, that's what we're saying. Is it like yeah. he's so accustomed to this level? It's all so yeah. easy for him. I I would rather point I'd rather point the finger back at the club and say if you've got a safe League Two wide player forward who's going to get you know ten goals a season, you need to get the the rest of the team around that. What he isn't is the talismanic 20-goal-a-season striker that's going to go lead the line yeah. and win you a title. He's never been that player. But that's where I feel people are judging him because he's been here nine years. It's, yeah. the, the, the equivalent would be like Mark Albrighton at Leicester. He's yeah. all, when, whenever he's been asked to do something, he's done it. He's played in odd positions. He's played under every single manager there and still makes his way into the team. Is he the best footballer? Does he score the most goals? No. But it, it's, it's an important part of any team. And I'm glad that he's going to be here for another two years, even just to, because you get some amazing social media comments when he scores. So, <laughs> I, Like I said, I admire his chill. I admire that he, obviously, bless him, isn't that sort of um, ambitious. He's happy just to, you know, he's happy at Northampton. He's all right with that. He's not really trying to, you know, look for moves elsewhere like certain players have done. He's, yeah, he just like, seems like a chill guy. So we should respect that, actually. Um, James... Sam Hoskins, are you pleased he signed on again two and a half years? Yeah, you know, yeah, I think he's a he's a very useful player down at this level. Um, I think obviously when when you get to League One, the question with Sam usually seems to be, so what position do we play him in at, at League One? Uh, I think he's, you know, when you speak to football fans, the 
the minimum they demand is 100% effort. And that is the one thing you guarantee with Sam. He's been here long enough. We all know his strengths and we all know his flaws. And there's a reason, you know, why he's playing at this level Because when, when you've got that pace. Um, I, I, I like him. Um, there's, as Brendan said, there's a reason every manager has played him when he's been here. Um, and... Yeah, I think he's a good. He's clearly a good guy to have around the dressing room and and, and the club. And it, mm. it, you know, someone having been here for that long should never be sniffed at. Uh, sniffed at in terms of being a leader within the changing room as well. So uh, yeah, I'm 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 happy to see him tied down to a new contract. Uh, I would love to see Liam Roberts tied down to a new one as well next, if please. McWilliams as well. Out. There's quite a few. Williams, Koiki, yeah. There's there's a few that I think, if we're looking about, you know, avoiding that yo-yoing between leagues one and two, I think there's a few that could definitely perform up at uh, league one level and and you know and do a good job up there for us. And I'd like to see them tied down as well. Mm. I just think Sam Hoskins. What he needs is a sabbatical, right? He's been at the, it's like he's been at a company for so long, and he's got a bit. You know, he's got a bit, sort of a bit of part of the furniture. He needs, he needs to go to somewhere. Let, let him send him to Spain for like a year. He'll come back with a tan and people will forget who he is. And he'll be like, who's this? And they'll just see all his attributes, which he's always had. And they'll be like, he's brilliant. He's, you know, he runs with the boy. You know, he's, he's really a pretty good player. You know what I mean? He, he needs to come back with like a, a, a Spanish name as well, like Samuel Hosquino. Or something like <laughs> yes, that. yes. And people might value him. But um, No, I was just going to say, I think when the day comes where he finally does move on, you'll definitely, there will inevitably be people that complain about that we don't have him. Do you know what I mean? He's, he's, he's going to be quite a renaissance player, I think, that will be a lot more popular after he's left. Yeah, he's, um, he's, he's going to be here for life, don't worry about that. Um, let's um, shoot off now. We've got some sort of varied chat. It's good as always, and then we'll meet again next week. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Cheers, guys. Bye-bye. 